Welcome to this episode of Tell Me More with Katie Reed Hodges and Dr. Dennis Wiles. We're walking through Philippians 3 this week, and we're talking about what it is to know Christ and the power of His resurrection, and just what it is to be the church that continually grows and wants to be like Jesus, and that we never quite arrive. I think it's a fun conversation, and I'm really glad you're listening, so tune in and enjoy. Thanks. Right, we're in the podcast studio of First Baptist Church Arlington, and I'm Katie Reed Hodges, and I'm here again with our pastor, Dr. Dennis R. Wiles. Hi, boss. Hello. And also, Katie? because I figured this out today, uh, so let me try that again. I'm in the studio with Dr. Dennis R. Wiles. <laughs> oh, no, wrong one. Hold on. <laughs> Dennis R. Wiles. There it is. The crowd goes wild. I promise not to abuse that. I'll forget that I learned those buttons, but I was tinkering earlier with this. So oh, me. My mama would have been proud. <clears throat> Yeah, she was proud. I'm, I know it. I know it. I was with her. So, okay, well, we're walking through, this is episode three, mm-hmm. but also Ephesians three. Nope, Philippians. Why do I always say Ephesians? I don't know. You like Ephesians. I have my Bible open in front of me to the book of Philippians. <laughs> uh, maybe just because episode and Ephesians sounded right, so good. So good. I do like Ephesians, but I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying Philippians as well. So pardon me for my miss, uh, you know, they're next to each other in the Bible, they but are. still. We are walking through your sermon series, which you've been going through Philippians on Correct. Sunday mornings. Correct. And actually, you've been teaching through Philippians on Sunday nights. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you some questions that kind of peel from the sermon. You may have touched on them a little bit on Sunday night, but we'll go deeper, mm-hmm. I hope, mm-hmm. together. Uh, and we're going to kind of, if y'all are watching, if y'all are listening along closely, we're going to camp out kind of in the middle of Ephesians 3. Start with Philippians 3. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Y'all at home, trust me with the Bible. I do read it. I'm following along. It's just in my mind. So, okay, Philippians 3. We're camping out in the middle of Philippians 3, starting with verse 7-ish and going through 14, which is what you preached. Correct. And so I've got some questions about that that came up for me when I was listening and thinking about just your study. And, again, we're talking about Paul and his life. And so I think there's just a lot of good questions that jut from that. So with that, why don't we hop in with this? I've got the New American or New Revised Standard in front of me, so it might sound a little bit different. But Paul starts out with this idea that sounds normal because we're Christians and we've heard this our whole life. But I think it's actually quite mm, remarkable, spectacular, because he's saying everything I know I've count as loss Mm -hmm. compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, Mm -hmm. which is uh, verse 7 and 8. And and what we talked about two weeks ago, Paul had great gains. So he's saying whatever I gained— comparatively with knowing Christ is loss, which I think in a secular age that we're kind of going into, this post-Christian, it's a little bit radical to say something like that. Mm-hmm. So what, tell us more about what you might think about that. How does that <laughs> land? How would that have landed to the listener then? Mm-hmm. But certainly, how do you think it's landing to an audience today mm-hmm. where it just seems wild? Well, I, I think in the first century, you know, when you come to verse 7, the context for us will be the preceding verses where Paul outlines his resume, his vita, if you will. And he, he says things about himself that, you know, he was born Jewish. He's, he's been a Jew his whole life. And he's, uh, of course, his given name in Hebrew is Saul, who was the first king of Israel. And, uh, and Saul was a Benjamite. So from that tribe, uh, it, there were a lot of young men who were named Saul, <laughs> who were Benjamites mm. because okay. of King Saul. And so he's he's been an Israelite his whole life. 
He's a Hebrew of Hebrews. In other words, he's not been completely Hellenized. Mm -hmm. He can speak Greek, obviously writes Greek, but he has kept the mother tongue. Mm -hmm. And um, he's a Pharisee. He's, he's zealous. However, I think what Paul is trying to say is, is that when he met Jesus, everything changed. The His, his whole understanding of religious accomplishment, his, his whole understanding of how to to find favor, right standing with God, if you will. Mm. And what he would probably have said his eternity depended upon. All of a sudden, when he meets Jesus, everything changes. And now and, he says, as I look at all of that, you, if you want to look at it on the uh, from an accounting perspective, which is the language he uses, mm -hmm. gains and losses would have mm -hmm. been very familiar in the accounting world. Okay. He says, if you were to put all of that on the gain side, now that I've met Christ personally, actually, it really mm. no longer is on the gain side. You can even, you, as a matter of fact, you can put it on the loss side if you want to. Mm. <laughs> that that's how much it no longer matters to me. Now that I've met Christ Jesus, I've discovered there's a righteousness that comes from Him that I could never attain myself. And you're saying Paul would have been someone who was trying to achieve righteousness Absolutely. in his old life. Absolutely. I mean, yes. spirit, of, spiritual righteousness yes. was a goal yes. of his. Well, he, of he just would say now he got it all. I mean, That's right. in it's, Christ, it's all. It's insufficient. Yeah, it wasn't right. And so really what, what Paul is, is teaching us, and he does this in, in other places, Paul lives at a certain moment in time like we all do. Mm -hmm. But Paul lived in one of those hinge moments in time that we don't always get to experience. Mm -hmm. You know, you just obviously you can't manufacture this. Right. So Paul, on the one hand, is born into this present age and Judaism, God's work through Israel, um, God's testimony to the world really through Israel for this present age. Now, a new age has been launched. The, the scripture would refer to it as the age to come. Mm -hmm. And Jesus launches the age to come. Mm -hmm. And so Paul recognizes that a new era, a whole new era has started. So it's like all bets are off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everything that used to apply yeah. to the present age has been completely changed, turned upside down. And now we're living in the age to come. And in the age to come, your righteousness is found through a relationship with Christ no longer in your own ability to relate to God through the law and the 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 human accomplishment that's normally associated with that. So and it's 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 kind of a fascinating take, if you will, because earlier in this letter, Paul tells the Philippians to work out their salvation. Yes. You know? And and that can be a little Just, bit confusing for some it's people. Interesting. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and then he turns right around here in this text yeah, and midway, says, "I'm no longer working two. for it. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm not working for my salvation, yeah. which is helps us understand that's not what he meant. Yeah. It's as he stands before the Lord, he wants to stand in a righteousness that is given to him through his relationship with Christ, rather than what he's accomplished on his own. And he's even talking about. Like I'm reading down through. We talk, we're talking about verse seven. I, where he says, I regard everything as loss, mm -hmm. he, you keep going. He counts them not just as loss gain, but you could just call them rubbish. That's yeah, what garbage. in our SV, That's right. garbage. garbage. I mean, it's not even yeah. valuable <laughs> in a certain lens. He's right. saying it's just throw it away, mm -hmm. get it out of here, mm -hmm. let the trash take it out. Mm -hmm. And then I think where we talk about maybe the shock factor for me mm -hmm. is that it's not just an intellectual ascent for him. He's saying, for Christ's sake, I have suffered all things. Mm -hmm. Are you saying... I want to share in his suffering, but becoming like him even in death, mm -hmm. and then to know his resurrection. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a very, it's 
it's bodily. Visceral, it's yeah. visceral. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that's where maybe in a modern sense mm-hmm. it can – when I think about the kind of this, the circles that I run in that aren't Christian, mm-hmm. the, the people I dialogue with, it's very shocking for someone to say, sure, intellectually, spiritually, to gain success, this is a loss and this is a gain. Mm-hmm. But he's saying, I'm willing to suffer bodily, mm-hmm. viscerally, mm-hmm. and count it all as a loss, mm-hmm. and it's fine. And he's writing this from house yeah, arrest. I mean, it's say. not like he doesn't – it's not hypothetical. Yeah. Like, I'd do it, but that's you never right. know in the moment. No, he really did it. Correct. And I, that's where I think when you talk about gains and losses, it's not just, it's not just intellectual mm-hmm. that he got it right, but it's physical comforts. Mm-hmm. It's the way we live our lives. Mm-hmm. And maybe – I know it's challenging then, but I, it's certainly challenging today as well, I think. I, I agree. And I also think that um, I think Paul's understanding of what the gospel is all about and what he's teaching us here is is a timely word for our culture because we tend in our culture to pay a whole lot of attention to human accomplishment and human achievement and mm-hmm particularly in the West, in the American way of life, you, you pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You, you do things your way and you accomplish things and you get credit for it and you can be very proud of it. And, um, and we, we translate that over into the religious realm. And so there are, there are many religious expressions today that are alive in America that are just based upon that, upon your own achievement and your, your ability to accomplish things and and it's somehow rooted in this in this sense that that's how you gain some right standing before God is mm. that you're able to accomplish whatever it may be. Are you alluding a little bit like to prosperity gospel? I mean, yeah, these religious veins yeah, that just, say, yeah, just you know, do this, and then you're going to experience mm. the full blessing of yeah. of your efforts and the fruit of your labor, if you will. A bit formulaic, right? For and us. then at the yeah. and ultimately, for some, even your whole eternal life is dependent upon it. And I think, you know, you, you hear Paul and Paul says, well, actually what's happened to me is I've met Christ Jesus. And now I realize that actually it's a gift from God. And all this really is rooted in God's grace toward us. And once we receive that, then everything changes. And Paul says, as a matter of fact, it's changed so much for me. I'm, I'm actually willing to suffer for that. I, I believe in this message so fully that I'm willing to I'm willing to participate with Jesus even to the point of losing my own life if that's what it takes. It's and that, his, to me, would be a good stake in the ground that's not the prosperity gospel. Correct. I mean, it's one thing to be successful, and we're not against that. Absolutely. I wouldn't say as a church, of course. we want our people to have all the success well, in the sure. world and then be mm-hmm. as generous as possible. Mm-hmm. But if you get to bypass any kind of suffering in the doing, then you may have lost your path on that's the right. Jesus way, mm-hmm. wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. Particularly so, if you think that that, is, that that can't possibly be the Jesus way. Yeah, you know, the, if you the think way of whether suffering. the way of suffering obviously is the is not a, it's a sign possibly, of it's a sign of sinfulness right. or distance from God. Yeah, absolutely. You might yeah, you might have to reread the gospels right. and any of the Pauline letters. Yes. Maybe just the whole Bible. This, I was gonna say <laughs> I think it changes everything. Yeah, you for could you. maybe like isolate one proverb and justify your actions, but <laughs> the rest of the Bible points to maybe that that's not exactly working. So right. well I wanna we're, it's in the same verse, but you talked about this on Sunday and I think it's very valuable for a listener uh in a in a pastoral sense, but the difference between knowing about God mm-hmm. and or in this Jesus, knowing mm-hmm. about Jesus mm-hmm. and knowing him. So, I mean, that's what I regard everything as a loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, mm-hmm. my Lord. And then it talks about participating in his suffering mm-hmm. and then eventually his resurrection. Mm-hmm. And that for Paul, knowing Jesus was the game changer. Mm-hmm. Again, we live in a world that might know a lot about God. Mm-hmm. And if in a reductionist view, if you 
if you use the word belief so shallow, shallowly, as we sometimes do, mm-hmm. we could even preach a gospel that says, well, if you believe these certain things, you're saved. Correct. Where I think Paul is saying much, much richer, mm-hmm. much deeper, maybe even the opposite of that. Do you want yeah, to go a little deeper on that? I would say definitely much more fully orbed, if you will, um, because I think Paul Paul lived in a in a highly religious society. You know, the the people in the ancient world were— um, I mean, they were pagan, but there was a spiritual component to their paganism. They weren't atheists. You know, Paul wasn't really dealing with an atheistic culture. That that really wasn't the climate. So of the most first people century. had a spiritual background. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the 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 cultic practices of both the Greek and Roman empires were just almost universal. Mm-hmm. You know, there were every major city was filled with temples, you know, and priests yeah. and priestesses mm-hmm. and cultural practices. So and he's starting with that, not not starting from a place of convincing someone that there is, there is a God. Right. That's yeah. Right. There's a higher being, he's whatever you might call that. understand the gods they're worshiping are false gods. Right. So, Which you can think about that in Acts when he goes to the Areopagus and he's saying, right. yeah, yeah. So there's, there, he's living in a very spiritual culture. And, and so, so much of that was rooted in superstition behavior, um, rituals. It was very, both Greeks and Romans had a very ritualistic faith. Mm-hmm. The Greeks probably, uh, their faith was a little more personal. The Romans, it was much more cultic and ritual, and you depended upon the priests to actually engage the gods, so to speak, for you on your behalf. You might you made these sacrifices, but the point was there was an intercessor, an inter, uh, a mediator for mm-hmm. you. And so if you were to interview the particularly the more educated people in the first century, they knew a whole lot about their religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. And so Paul is, is I think he's countering that and encountering that now as a follower of Jesus. And what he's saying is that the way of Jesus is not just to know about him. Mm-hmm. Not, it's not just to know about the things he asks from us or the, about the, the teachings of Jesus. Obviously we do need to know those things, but what's, unique about Christianity is at the heart of it, it's highly relational. It is it is drawing you into a relationship with a personal God of the universe who has chosen to real, reveal himself most fully through his son, mm-hmm. the Lord Jesus. And so we're actually called into a personal relationship with Jesus. So it's a daily walk. It's a daily life of of uh, exchanging um, just this this sense of an experiential approach, if you will, mm-hmm. as opposed to a cultic ritual approach. Mm-hmm. And so Paul says, so now that I have figured this out after all of these years, and I understand that what's at the heart of our faith is actually having a relationship with Christ Jesus and knowing him and spending time with him. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I think that's the, to me, that's the core calling for us as Christians. Who are Christians? Well, they're people who know Jesus. Mm-hmm. They're people who follow Jesus. They're people who relate to Jesus. And so now you may say, well, how do you do that today? Because in the first century, when Jesus was physically alive, if, you know, Matthew's sitting yeah, at a table and Jesus says, come follow me. And he goes, okay. <laughs> sure. get and he boss. literally, literally <laughs> right? follows a body Correct. through the town, so et cetera. Right? It's changed for us today because now, however, we have been given the gift of God's Holy Spirit. So the Spirit of God is now within us and creates the opportunity for fellowship and communion with the Lord. And even Paul writing this is in that reality. Absolutely. He's living in that. It's that's early he is. and he's teaching us about yes. it. But that's, but I mean, the, he but, only met Jesus. Yeah, he meets him on the road to Damascus. Yeah. 
evidently has some kind of experience with him during this period before he really begins his public ministry. But Paul is basically living for the most part, how we're living. Right. And he's saying, I want to, I'm, I mean, at least in the new revised standard, you could tell me from your Greek, but it's, it's knowing Christ. Absolutely. It's it's a, it's, it's an different. action word. That's right. It's more than an ex, than an, an intellectual ascent. It has that component to it, but it's experiential. Mm-hmm. It's it's visceral. It's it's spiritual. It's um, it means that there is an, an intentionality to every day experiencing the presence of Christ in your life and inviting Him into your life, your circumstances, your decisions, your relationships, seeking His counsel, His wisdom, His presence, and 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 His will. And bending your will to his will. I mean, one of the ways that we live in relationship with Jesus is that when we understand what Jesus asks of us, we respond accordingly. Mm-hmm. Obedience. And so there's is obedience. A big part. Yes. Yeah, and sure. that obedience may lead you to all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Look what it does for Paul. Mm-hmm. Paul is not in jail right now for being disobedient to Jesus. That that's not why he's in the condition he's in. Right. Um, in fact, that could have taken him to a place of prosperity. <laughs> that's correct. Or absolutely. Comfort at least, right. right? I mean, he is going to end up you know, basically losing his head out on the Ostian Way, uh, you know, just Spoiler outside alert. of Rome. Um, <laughs> he will lose his head because of his obedience to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and it, it did lead him to understand the fellowship of Christ's suffering, his relationship with Jesus. But that's how much it was worth to him. Well, and he calls it surpassing value. Absolutely. It's like, not that it's no big deal. I don't know if Paul would right. even say it's no big deal, but... Mm-hmm. In comparison, in light of, mm-hmm. he's just there for it. Sure. And, and so it's and, so and much joy. more. That's right. There's joy in it so much more than, you know, for, for all of us, I would say as Christians, there there are there are rituals, if you want to call them that. There there are practices that we engage in that offer us opportunities to express our love for the Lord and to experience his presence. You know, so like for example, um, when we uh, baptize someone, mm-hmm. someone has made the decision to follow Christ. As as Baptists, we believe that baptism is a symbolic gesture. However, it is a public expression of your faith in Jesus. It's where you are taking on the name of Christ. You are directly obeying Jesus himself, who told us to go into all the world, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So you're engaging in a spiritual practice that puts you right in the very presence of the Lord himself because you're obeying him directly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When we receive the elements of the Lord's mm-hmm. Supper, Jesus told us to do this, and he told us to be be mindful of this, to remember him when we did this. So, so when we pause in the midst of our lives and recognize that what really feeds us, mm-hmm. well, on the one hand, you could say, well, what feeds us is the food we're going to have later that day after church, you know, but right. in reality, what we're saying is, no, Really and truly, what feeds us is the, really the presence of Jesus in our lives. That's what gives us sustenance. Uh, you know? Because this is for our church, and it's coming right after. We really are doing this. You know, th- this is Monday. Yesterday was Correct. Sunday. <laughs> the anthem in the first service yesterday, I thought, was just lovely mm-hmm. in the classic service. Uh, contemporary was very good as well. Mm-hmm. But Aaron arranged—I don't know if he arranged it, but he had the choir and the orchestra sing. But it has this line about, may I be— May I partake in the bread of God, and then may I be bread for the world. That's right. And there, I mean, there's a beautiful That's talk the, about nourishment, sustenance, yes. the purpose of it. Anyway, That's right. so because this is for First Baptist, go back and watch. That's right. If you haven't, beautiful. if you if you weren't live in the eight thirty service, just go back. I actually sent it to my husband because he was on the road, and I said, okay, just go watch this. Mm-hmm. And then he was bummed that we missed that he missed Days of Elijah <laughs> <laughs> as well because yeah. that was right before yeah. it. Anyway, that's a second, yeah, but, but that, it's for our church. So yeah, but that the thing is that okay, so the Lord's Supper. 
what you call it a ritual. I don't I don't particularly like the word ritual because it's usually associated with yeah with pagan practice. But but I understand the point that religious practice, if you will. Mm -hmm. I'm pausing and I'm stopping and I'm saying, okay, I'm in the presence of Christ now, and I realize that that being with Him and having Him in me as a part of me and me submitting to Him and His will and His leadership in my life and acknowledging Him as my Lord, that's the real food in my life. Mm-hmm. And that bread, absolutely, that I receive offers me life. And then I do become bread for the world. Mm-hmm. I, I become someone who can actually pass on something I have. Mm-hmm. When I pray, when I worship, when I tithe, when I witness, I mean, all these things are practices. Yep. When I read the Scripture Things and we I call listen. spiritual disciplines yes. or spiritual practices. Correct. Yeah. All of those are ways to me that I engage personally with the Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't just read the Bible for information. To learn about stories. Yeah, it's yep. great. Okay, I found this out today. No, I'm reading the Bible to actually interact with the Lord. This is the Word of God to me. Mm-hmm. God is speaking to me. And for Baptists, it's one of our chief spiritual disciplines. Absolutely. Is studying the Word and prayer. Yes. Maybe those are hands yeah. that go hand in so hand. So when you say, I want to know Jesus, mm-hmm. well, one of the ways that I know Him is I'm, I encounter Him in the Scripture. You know, happened to me this this very day, to be honest with you. I, um, th- this morning, as I was <clears throat> reading, you know, we're reading through Philippians, um, but I also, I can't help myself. I live in the Gospels in the book of Acts all the time. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm always reading the Gospels in the book of Acts. Um, we, and we as First Baptists appreciate that about you. Well, we just, want to be Jesus people. We are. And we want to see Jesus that. People. Yeah. And so, um, well, our ministry leadership team, which you're a part of, yes. I've asked y'all to, to read through the book of Acts with mm-hmm. me. Well, so early this morning. Or doing a thorough, a slow march. It's a slow march. Which I prefer. I, I like it. There's no <laughs> yeah. reason to rush through it. So. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're three weeks in and we're in verse nine. So that lets First Baptist people will not be surprised by that. Yeah, but, but, um, but it's also good to know your leadership is like reading the Bible together. <laughs> that's right. right. Okay. So, but this very morning, you know, I'm, I'm praying, I'm thinking about my church thinking about my own life and my own relationship with the Lord, ask the Lord to speak to me <clears throat> because I'm, I know also that I'm going to be visiting with you all today. And I want to be able to share a word from the Lord with you all today as colleagues at our church. Mm-hmm. And so I'm reading um, a, a story that I've read how many times in the book of Acts, the ascension of Christ. Mm-hmm. I've, I've read through it a thousand times without exaggeration. There's no telling how many times I've read that story. Mm-hmm. This morning, as I read that text, I just encounter the presence of Christ in a very powerful and real way where I felt the Lord challenging me to embrace what's new in front of me that was already working in me already. That was already something God was showing me. Mm -hmm. But this morning, it was affirmed, and God, to me, just said, even these early disciples, I asked them to embrace something new that they didn't expect, to look beyond anything that that they could have conjured up on their own. Mm -hmm. So just imagine how they were walking with Jesus for three and a half years. Jesus has died. He's been resurrected. They're thinking, well, this has to be it. What what else could happen? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Surely this is it. And then he ascends to the Father. Mm -hmm. And that ascension was a complete paradigm shift for these disciples. Mm -hmm. And I felt the Lord speaking to me this morning. You're living in a new era. You're coming out of this pandemic. A lot of things have changed. You've got to lead this church in a way that— is 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 going to be is going to require some things of you where you can't just hold on to the way things have always been. Look at these men. So just this very morning, I encountered the presence of Christ. I feel like I know more about Jesus right now this afternoon than I did this morning. Hmm. 
So and that's reencountering scripture that you've read. Yeah, who knows? I don't want to even number it. Absolutely, many many times. Yes, and so and studied yes, academically. Yes, I mean, so to me, I would say the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus. That's what that's talking about. It's, it's having those encounters with Him where you feel His presence and you just experience a, a fresh new insight that actually does change and shape you as a person because mm-hmm. that's what Jesus does. When you meet Jesus, as I said Sunday morning, everything changes. Mm-hmm. Completely changed Paul. His whole life trajectory mm-hmm. changes. He'll never be the same again. It does. I think when Paul says, I count all this loss, I count all this as garbage and rubbish, rubbish I don't think what Paul's saying is that it's all useless. That, that's not really the point. Mm-hmm. I think what he's saying is, is that my dependency on things that aren't truly consistent now with what Christ has revealed to me, that they're just not of the same value to me anymore. Yep. It doesn't mean he didn't learn anything from it. It doesn't mean it didn't provide him a framework. Obviously it did. Mm-hmm. But the point is it no longer holds weight. Knowing Jesus, following Jesus, learning about Jesus, being found in Jesus, gaining Jesus, standing in Jesus's righteousness. That's not mm-hmm. what really matters to Paul. Yeah. And that's what should matter to us. I think that's great. Well, you've, you've kind of, we've kind of walked backward right into what I wanted to segue into, which I think is really helpful because I'm interested in, you know, if we keep going in it uh, versus, let's see, 12 through 14, and you camped out here a little bit in the sermon mm-hmm. that, let me get it right. And so he talks about, not that I've obtained all this or I've already reached the goal. Mm-hmm. He kind of starts using these sports right. metaphors. Mm-hmm. But I love I, that. I appreciate I, that about Paul. Oh, you used, I believe, three sports, different sports <laughs> as metaphors. Right. More more illustrations than that, but right. I heard golf. I know I heard golf. Mm-hmm. I know I heard baseball. I know I heard football. football that's right. Is there, was there another those, one? Those, those are, are your main three, those, though. Are, uh, those are perfect. <laughs> Everybody can learn from them. Everybody can. We're, we're uh, Side note again, because this is First Baptist. I think most people listening to this know that I am pregnant. And I'm pregnant with triplets. That's right. And now we know I'm pregnant with triplets that are all boys. Three boys. So if you want to be overwhelmed, just listen to that and live my life. But it's going to be so much fun. It for will. Us, but we've been speculating if they're good, if they like sports and want to do that, we would love that because right. we grew up with that. Yeah. But what team has like three or three can dominate? You know, basketball. You're you're, right. you're the majority of the court, but you know you kind of get watered down a little bit more in baseball yeah, and right. football. football. So we're hoping that they're good, so a team isn't like. Oh man, we have, to the have Hodges all the Hodges kids. kids. The Hodges boys have shown up, <laughs> and they're like, they're half of our team. So anyway, we like sports metaphors, and you use them a lot, and you use them well. I mean, the, the the illustrations yesterday are really good. But sorry, back to Paul. So not that I've already attained this or reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me His own, which is really beautiful mm-hmm. language. And then he, he there's press on. He talks about I haven't arrived, and we could keep going. It's all lovely, but. Forgetting what lies ahead, straining forward, which is kind of what this impression you have about just embracing the new. Mm-hmm. But I think it's interesting in a theological sense, Paul's not trying to tell people that you need to continually work for your salvation. Correct. And like we talked about in the last chapter mm-hmm. where he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, which is an interesting phrase. Mm-hmm. And again, he's talking about certainly putting in some effort. I mean, he's using sports illustrations of straining for the goal, striving, continuing, and so we had talked a little bit earlier, you and I, about just how we could break these into kind of – it's not how we're saved, but it is part of working out our salvation. So can you tell us more about how you would parse those things out? I want to make sure our people know that we're not talking about if you work real hard, then you can – you, like Paul, can know Jesus because it's not about our striving. Mm-hmm. But there Correct. is this – and that's where I think we've already touched a little bit on mm-hmm. just these spiritual disciplines mm-hmm. and just the desire to know him deeper is different than earning God's favor. Right. Well, you know, I think when Paul says in Philippians 2, work out your salvation, then in 
chapter three, he says, I'm pressing on, I'm, I'm, I'm straining, I'm, I'm seeking, if you will, even further. I think that's one way of Paul saying, here's how I'm working out my salvation. Because when, when you consider salvation in the New Testament, you, you, can, you can say any of these three statements and be theologically accurate. Okay. You can say, I have been saved, mm-hmm. I am being saved, mm-hmm. and I will be saved. Okay. All three of those are consistent with the, with the Bible because they're really talking about three different aspects of salvation. Mm-hmm. I have been saved. That's regeneration. That's okay. the new birth. Mm-hmm. I am being saved. That's sanctification. That's where God is shaping me, forming me, changing me, saving me from myself, mm-hmm. saving me from low living, as I talked about yesterday. Mm-hmm. I will be saved. Well, that's glorification. That's when we get that glorified body. That's when we're going to be completely transformed by the power that raised Christ from the dead, the mm-hmm. power that ascended Christ into the Father's presence. Well, that same power ultimately is going to provide for our glorification. And so when we're working out our salvation, what I would say that really refers to and what Paul means when he says, I'm pressing on, mm-hmm. he's referring to that that sanctifying process mm-hmm. so that he hasn't arrived yet. He hasn't been glorified yet. He's already been justified. He's already been regenerated but he is being sanctified in his life. And so in order for that to happen, it's not a one-way street. It's not something God's just going to do to you Mm -hmm. without any kind of partnership on your part. Mm -hmm. So we partner with God to be sanctified. Obviously, we receive Christ to be justified, but we partner with him to be sanctified. And then at some point, we're totally dependent upon him to be glorified. Mm -hmm. So, and in a in a in the more fundamentalist Baptist culture, which we're we're not, we avoid. Right. I think some some simple answers like that. But mm-hmm. people would say, "I'm saved." Period. Right. And it's kind of that regeneration, and at its and worst, it. it's kind of the you know the street corner evangelism that has no follow up. Mm-hmm. Most of our people in our church, we're probably putting sanctification in front of them. Mm-hmm. We want them to continue absolutely this, this, the working out of the salvation yes. and to grow and grow and grow right. more to be like Jesus. You're, in, their you're, life. in other words, I think what Paul is saying, he do, he doesn't say work for your salvation. Mm -hmm. That's not what he says, because that would be counter to everything Paul teaches. Mm -hmm. He tells us here in Ephesians 3, I'm not going to stand before God in my own righteousness, so I'm not going to work for my salvation. Work out your salvation, Mm -hmm. which means you live out the reality of what's happened to you. Mm -hmm. You demonstrate that you've been saved as you press on, mm-hmm. as you strain, as you you look to that higher calling, that upward call, that heavenly call. He'll go on later in Philippians 3 to say, the reason that I'm doing this is I'm a, I'm a citizen of heaven. Mm-hmm. So why would it surprise anyone that there's this heavenly upward call in my life when I'm actually a citizen of heaven? That's where my citizenship is. That's really where I'm headed. And it intersects me in this present age. Mm-hmm. But once again, it's one to me, it's one of the practical ways Paul is teaching us he's already living in the age to come that ultimately be consummated when Christ returns. But the reality of it is already here. Mm-hmm. We're already seeing it. It's what Jesus came to establish. To mm-hmm. me, that's what the kingdom of God is. It's the, it's the age to come here already planted on earth, intersecting with this present age. That's what N.T. Wright would call the already but not yet. Correct. Did he coin that? <clears throat> well, That's where I've I don't know, but, it's, but it, it sounds He made good. it famous, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give N.T. Wright credit for whatever. We'll give him right? credit for a lot. Yeah. I, I think that's important to keep in front of our people. Not that, I mean, 
in my mind, if you're coming to church every Sunday, if you're attending Bible study, if you're coming to prayer meetings, you get that it's not this, I'm saved and I don't need to grow. That's right. And so we're kind of preaching. If you're listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. you're probably not yeah, that. Probably but I think so. for our culture, if somebody stumbles upon this, I think it is very important for them to know that we're really in, in the business of knowing Christ. That's right. And continuing. And if Paul never arrived, right. then shoot. Yeah, if, if Paul Maybe I don't us, think I will. Yeah, because you know? here he is, what, he's mid-50s probably by the time he writes this. He's still growing. And he's already proven his pedigree. Absolutely. Still learning. What does that say to me and you? Well, I would say I've got a long way to go. Yeah, I'd say. I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to put a finish line in front of me. <laughs> that's right? right. So Not yet. Well, with that thing, that's a really good way for us to cross the finish line. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else on this part of Ephesians 3 that, excuse me, my gosh, Philippians 3, <laughs> that you might want to leave with our people? Um, it's a challenge. No, I, I just think, again, my encouragement to all of us is, is to... Every day, give some attention to just knowing Christ Jesus, our Lord, every day. And if you don't know how, I bet we can help. Well, thank you, Dr. Wiles, Mm -hmm. and I bet we'll be here next week. All right. Thank you. Thank you. for listening to the Tell Me More podcast today. You can subscribe to this podcast on your app of choice, or you can visit us at fbca.org to find out more information about the podcast and our church. Thanks for listening.